It's timely. It's insightful. It's motivating. It's empowering. It's time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Time with Fred podcast. This is a podcast that challenges paradigms and mindsets that hold us back. This podcast can be heard on iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, Pandora, um, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Today, I have a very special guest and the person of uh, James Belt, who joins us by Zoom from uh, Maryland. Um, he's a founder of uh, Belt Enterprises, he's a missionary, and he's an author. Um, as well, we're going to be talking about the work that he does, especially um, trying to eliminate that concept of uh, poverty. I'm not going to steal the thunder away from him, uh, but we'll, we'll dive right into it. Uh, James, welcome to the Time with Fred podcast today. Thanks, Fred. I really appreciate you having me. It's Pleasure awesome. is all mine. Yes, thank you for uh, for coming on, James. Let's uh, start by way of introduction. Just tell listeners and viewers a little bit about you, your work, and uh, and what launched you into into this uh, this this mission. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, just quick quick introduction to me, James. I've uh, two kids, married with a wife, two dogs, two cats, and I like the the joke is I have three hermit crabs. So <laughs> <laughs> we have a full house. But um, uh, yeah, so how I got though in, involved in Nicaragua um, was basically in 2006, uh, the church I attend uh, was relatively young and uh, they decided it was time to do something, you know, missions related. Um, we had grown a bit and it kind of got into that point. And we connected with an organization called Orphan Network and uh, they started taking trips down my family, my mom, uh, my dad and my sister actually traveled on that first trip to Nicaragua. I was in the midst of building a financial planning practice, very much on the front end of that. And I decided, well, this isn't really for me, at least not at this point in my life. I'll be the guy that sends the check. So I, uh, they went down and they really enjoyed their time. And of course, they came back and they started coaxing me to, to go as well. So the next summer I started going as well, um, kind of thought, I was checking the box, you know, more or less going on a mission trip and uh, started to uh, started to kind of fall in love with the country a little bit. And uh, we in 2009, my parents adopted a girl from Nicaragua, my sister, Emmeline. Uh, she was 15 at the time. And during that time, I started to ask some questions about why the people I was meeting, you know, the people that now I knew names and faces of uh, they weren't just the ideas, you know, poverty, this community in particular, Al Cañon, was very impoverished. And, you know, we all see that on TV. Maybe you watch a Catholic Charities commercial or something. And you're like, oh, that, that's what poverty looks like. Well, now they had names. It was Maria Jose, Josue, uh, you know, various other people. And I started to ask, well, they, they seem just like me, uh, as, as intelligent as me, as talented as me. Why are they in poverty? And yet I am not. And uh that question and my background in finance and i grew up in a family business uh, made me uh start to get more curious and so i started to explore what uh what i might be able to do there and then in 2011 i was in this community called el canyon el canyon means the canyon in spanish and uh, it's just outside the capital city of managua and nicaragua is known as the country of lakes and volcanoes and so there's a lot of you know mountainous areas 
So you're headed up this hill just south of Managua, and on the right side, there's a concrete wall painted in white that you would just think is maybe like the entrance to somebody's driveway, but it's actually this you know, steep hill down into this community that no one would know about otherwise. And so I was on this hill kind of on the other side of that entrance into the canyon overlooking it with a, a bunch of kids that had gone hiking. And I felt this uh, calling, not verbal, but as close to verbal as I've ever experienced that said, where are you going? And my first thought was, well, I'm going back to the United States on an airplane to my comfortable life in Maryland. And uh, but I started to explore it. And I was the reluctant missionary who decided, OK, well, maybe this is my time and ended up moving to Nicaragua to work with an organization called Nika Works in community development and economic development. Lived there for three years um, and continue to work with them today. So that, that's um, a very insightful background to James. I say insightful because not your your purpose, I guess, was born out of this, you know, chance versus to Nicaragua, right? For, for a lot of people who do missions work or who decide to missionaries, either like you rightly said, it's you know the check checking the box, churches checking the box, or you know doing it as part of their mission and you know vision of the church. But in your case, it turns out to be like a life purpose, right? Leaving your your financial um, um, investment business and then you know devoting your entire life when you're growing up did you know that this is what you wanted to do at all no not at all honestly it never was on my radar really at all um, I imagined I'd be the business person grew up like I said in a family business I went out and did financial planning for a while um, but no I never imagined it um, as a you know I always liked serving people and helping people but never saw it as as a uh, profession so to speak what was it that made you believe that this trip to Nicar or the Nicaraguans, if that's what they call them, right, is is, is where is where is where your purpose, right, um, was was tied to? I ask this question because you you mentioned when you were around there, you, you heard this inaudible voice asking, where, "Where are you going?" And that's a that's a powerful question. One of three questions, personally, James, that I, I find to be the most important questions, right, that anyone can ask themselves. Number one, who are you? Uh, mm. Number two, where are you? And then number three, where are you going? Mm. Who are you in terms of not just your name or, or, or what you do, but who are you in terms of your, your purpose and your calling in life, right? Where are you not in terms of your physical location presently, like you're sitting in your beautiful home in Maryland and me here and in, in, in Virginia, but where are you in terms of the proximity to 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 that calling, right? To to that place of destiny, if you will. And where are you going is really what what's your what's your mission and purpose mm. in life. So when you say where when you heard that voice, where are you going? It, it struck a chord uh, within me. And, and James, I would I would dare say that a lot of us in, in life who couldn't answer, you know, either either one of those questions really the the way it's intended to be, right? And so when you yeah. You know, someone poses that question: well, "Where are you going?" I mean, I, I let's 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 unpack that a little bit. I mean, when you heard that, what resonated inside of you? What what, what did that spark? What what got you thinking um, in terms of your purpose and what you really want to do um, with your life? That's a great question. So, how I kind of came to the Nicaragua conclusion was really just uh, I'd fallen in love in a sense with the country. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd spent time there 
like I said, they had become almost family, not to the degree that they would eventually, but to that point, um, I really was invested in this sense. And uh, when I heard the voice, you know, the, not the voice, but the, the voice in my head, you know, where are you going? That question that resonated, that went through my brain in that moment. Um, what it really came down to was uh, asking myself if I really believed what I had told other people. Mm -hmm. So interestingly enough, I'd been going through um, kind of what I would call a discipleship time in my life prior to this and, and leading some other some other uh, younger guys uh, through a time of kind of saying, okay, well, what does it really look like to live the life that God has created for you? And so in that time, I had come to this, uh, this conclusion of this idea. And it's this picture that's found um, in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament of the Bible of these, uh, these guys that are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And before the river will stop, they actually have to take a step into the river. God says basically like, hey, you're going to cross the Jordan, but before it stops so you can cross it, you have to step into the rushing river. And I had kind of encouraged other people that, hey, real life is found in the river. You know, it might look like a rushing river, but when God calls us to that moment, he, uh, as challenging as it might be, and it was challenging in Nicaragua, uh, you know, there's real life found there. And so I had been going through and, and encouraging people in this way. And of course, it's in that same moment that I get this, uh, this question, where are you going? And um, I was not married at the time, had no, you know, no kids. Um, I had the opportunity potentially, I thought maybe to not, not before I, ha I had that question, but as I started to unpack it, to move to Nicaragua and even work for my family business while I'm there to earn an income that way. Um, and uh, just kind of started to think, well, you know, I am a person that might have that opportunity. Um, I feel like God is calling to me this. Do I really believe that's true? And, you know, I, I've been equipped with these gifts through learning about finance, through growing up in a family business, through being invested in by others, um, leadership and things of that sort that I felt like, well, I don't know what exactly the difference would be, but I think I can probably make a difference yeah. um, if I put myself in the position for God to use me. And so that that's kind of how it went. It was, um, do I really believe it? Uh, do I really believe that life is found in, in following that call, even if it seems like it's a rushing river? Yeah. I love that. James, what does it take to for one to realize where they're going in life, right? I, I liken this to be, you know, that like all of us are on this journey, right? Where we're traveling, where to, I'm not sure. We wake up in the morning, there's this rut race, there's, you know, those of us who go to work and all that and businesses and all that. And there's, there's this running on the treadmill, so to speak, mm. right? But not going yeah. anywhere, right? And, and so we, we spend everything and trying to chase after something right but yet there's this void that really doesn't get filled right yeah. and so it begs the question for us to kind of maybe look at this more closely and, and each of us asking ourselves where are you going and and it's not necessarily the comfort right or, or the luxury in your case you love the comfort of the united states and, and move to a totally different place right i'm sure there were economic challenges not not like what you were used to growing up and all and i think it takes a certain level of um being in tune right with 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 the spiritual right as i like to call it i mean we're all spiritual people here but 
I, I think it takes more than that desire to just to just do right and be. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's something beyond that normal. There's something beyond that mundane because there are so many of us people who, you know, make all that money, go through life, chase Ecclesiastes, and right, it's all the chasing after the wind, right? But there's something that we we kind of have to identify right in order to know you know or to, to realize where it is where we're going and and i wonder what it takes to realize that what it takes to leave the familiar for the unfamiliar what it takes to travel that road less traveled what it takes to to be able to see beyond you know the facade of what seems the glitz and the glamour right to find exactly where you know to pitch our tent so to speak mm. what does it take um, for humanity, for us, for you and I, for other people to discover that place, right? Yeah. Quote, yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, the first thought that came to my mind was, I have two thoughts. You know, Mother Teresa, somebody asked her, so how do you know what the next next right thing to do is? And she says, well, I don't always. I just take the next step mm-hmm. and I follow what I feel like God has called me to. But beyond that, I would say this. And I talk about this a lot in in my book, Hope Realized, is um, this idea of spiritual hope. Mm. And so when I talk about spiritual hope, I'm talking about um, knowing that you're created by God for a purpose, on purpose. Uh, and I say by a God that loves you and that um, you're not created for a life of less than for a life of hopelessness or um, you don't know kind of, OK, well, why am I really here? And we all, we all go in those, you know, we all have those moments, of course. Um, but finding a spiritual hope that's foundational beyond that. And I talk about that in addressing poverty, but I think it applies oftentimes to us, whether we're in poverty or not, is having this uh, foundational hope that says, um, you know, I believe I was created for something more. And when you ask me that question of why, you know, why, would you do that? Well, part of it is that belief one for myself. So I believe I was created for something more that I can make a difference. You know, my bring my part, bring my, uh, whatever I have to the table, but then two that I believe there's something more for the people in Nicaragua and, um, that I believe there is hope for them, that they're not, uh, hopeless and that God created them on purpose and for a purpose. And that, um, you know, they might need resources or they might need a reminder, um, you know, that of that reality. But that is part of what drive drove me is it's just this belief that uh, there's more for them and more for me. And I think in, you know, in helping them see that there's hope for them, I, I find hope for myself. Yeah, I love that. You, you make the argument that um, poverty isn't just a lack of resources. Often, uh, even after resources are available, poverty lingers um why is that yeah uh yeah I, and we uh i talk about just the idea that yeah oftentimes you know there is a a study i think in 2017 um somewhere around i'm gonna get the number wrong now but 100 million dollars you know was invested in a certain country and yet poverty persisted and i think that um what you find is uh we'll bring the practical resources you know the the money or um, whatever that might look like and sometimes not even in the right way that that can also be a problem where we're we're you know fixing a problem that isn't isn't really there maybe we're you're giving a handout when really an investment is needed and sometimes 
people do need, you know, to be addressing the, uh, the immediate needs, but not off, not always. But I think what happens is we invest these practical resources without addressing that spiritual hope element. And I talk about how there's this, um, as I lived in Nicaragua, as I moved there, I found that uh, the byproducts of poverty, so the hunger, the education uh, problems, the unemployment issues, it's, it's much like an iceberg. Those byproducts that we see are just the 10%. The 90% that's below the surface is, is what really feeds them. And that is hopelessness. Um, and what I call the lie of hopelessness, because I don't think anybody is truly hopeless, at least created for that. And so um, it's that hopelessness, both practically, so the lack of a real opportunity, and spiritually, a uh, the lack of a, of a reframed identity or, or a clear picture on who you were created to be that really feeds that. Um, and oftentimes, you know, they're, they kind of feed each other, they're cyclical in a sense. And so um, that's why I would say, even when we bring the resources, sometimes we don't see the change because people are still seeing themselves as created for less than, and we haven't addressed that issue. Um, so yeah, maybe we see, you know, 10% change where we could maybe see, you know, 70 or 80% change have, if we actually address the identity issue and, you know, address the need for a reframed identity. Yeah. I, I love that. It reminds me of this, um, parable or story I you may have heard this about this rich man who you know had everything um all the things you can think for in a sign and I think it's it took his son somewhere to this village and his son came back and talked about how rich you know these folks were even though they didn't have nearly as much um, possessions as this kid had and I think he was telling his dad about how they you know they had the open skies and they could see the stars and they didn't have a roof overhead or something like that. And I think it's, it brings to, it makes the argument um, about how powerful perspective is, right? In terms mm. of, you know, feeling rich or, or being poor. I think it's really all about perspective. You could can have someone who was, you know, born in some really what we deem to be poverty stricken um, environment, but yet they may have, they may be happier than someone who was raised in, in a, in a mansion. So I think there's that element of uh, perspective, right? That sure. Uh, yeah. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I do agree with that. I think there are, you know, varying levels. So I talk about, you know, when I, when I say, okay, well, it's um, moving people from, from extreme poverty to uh, you know, a life, of thriving, it doesn't always mean that they're becoming wealthy or rich. It's reaching their God-given potential, and so uh, what I like to think about when I when I talk about that kind of a thing is, you know, I I do think people can have the perspective. I think the challenge sometimes is that people in poverty can live on this razor-thin edge, uh, where when something goes wrong, it completely destroys everything. And so, um, you know, somebody gets sick and it throws them into the need to go to a uh, loan shark to borrow money at 100% interest. And so it's moving people at least beyond that point, you know, um, but I do think perspective plays a ton in it. And that's why I think sometimes you'll see when the right resources become available, that person that has the right perspective is able to, to use them in a way that actually makes a difference. And so I agree. I agree with what you're saying with yeah. that caveat. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about your book, uh, Hope, Hope Realized. I mean, you're, you're, you write about some actionable steps in here. Let's, can you maybe give us a, a few of, of some of the pointers in your book and um, and, and the message there? Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, 
first thing, and this is kind of coming from my experience. So, you know, when I, when I tell people, okay, you, so maybe you're saying, okay, now I, I do believe that we can address poverty through practical and spiritual hope through all in hope. Um, what can I do? First great step is to be curious. So what does that look like? It might look like examining your own story to see where hope both practical and spiritual has played a role in your life, or even the lack thereof in certain cases has played a role in your life. And then being curious about poverty itself. Um, so why, why does poverty exist? Examining that a little bit more and what uh, preconceived ideas or um, what perceptions do I have about people in poverty? One thing I, I often say is we will treat people the way we perceive them. So if we perceive someone as hopeless, we're going to treat them accordingly, even if it's subconsciously. And so it's kind of breaking down and saying, okay, well, maybe I need to change the way I think about, about people um, and, and looking at that. And then another great step is to examine what you bring to the table. So um, when I went to Nicaragua, we first, you know, started going to an orphanage and I said, well, I, you know, it's great hanging out with kids, but I don't really know what I have to offer um, in this situation. And what I learned was I actually had a lot to offer in Nicaragua in the way that I was wired and the gifts that I was given. In my case, it was, you know, business development and vocational training and leadership and things of that sort. But everyone brings their own gifts. You know, I, I know someone that brought their skills in carpentry or teachers that can teach. So what do you actually bring to the table and uh, how can you how can you maybe make a difference with what gifts and resources, you know, there's financial resources as well that are needed, obviously, in addressing these kind of problems. What can you bring to the table? And then look for someone that is potentially already doing that, uh, that could use your gifts. So get connected to another organization, to a person that maybe is already engaged in working in poverty. You know, I work with NicoWorks, so find someone like NicoWorks, maybe that is uh, engaged in an area that you find interesting or have a heart for um, or that matches your gift set and get connected so that you can get a feel for how you can um, how you can make a difference. And then the last one I, I say is just take a step. So, you know, for me, taking a step, uh, I didn't know where it was headed, was was going on this mission trip. You know, if I wouldn't have ever done that, who knows if I ever would have lived in Nicaragua and if I'd be talking to you now about, about the book I wrote. Um, but that wasn't, you know, my first step wasn't live in Nicaragua, write a book. It was go on a mission trip. And often that's how it starts. Just take a step, um, use your gifts, get connected to somebody, um, maybe just make a donation to somebody. If that's a, uh, an organization that you're like, wow, they, they're doing something, you know, in an area that I, I um, find interesting or using gifts that I find interesting, that could be a, a great first step. Um, but take some step and, uh, and that'll, that'll get you started. And I found as we start to, uh, bring hope to others, we find more hope for ourselves. And I think we're probably wired. It's probably wired and we're made to work that way. Um, but by taking that step, you know, I think it'll empower you to, to continue to follow that road. I love that the last statement that you, um, you made there. And I, I think that was going to prompt my next question here about, um, uh, you know, you, 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 you sow that seed, you know, it's, it's a lot for superstition, right? You get it back and, in this very individualistic society that we live in where everything is focused on, on me, there's this greed and thus all that desire to amass. And there's nothing wrong with working hard and, and getting whatever you want. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think that 
it's it's sort of skewed a little bit, right? Where there's yeah. more focus on on the self and, and and me and what I can get out of it versus, and then if there's anything left, you know, maybe we might drop a few crumbs for for the other person itself. But you you, you make you make that point here that you know you you, you so hope you, you get hope, and and let's let's talk about that seed there and why it's important sometimes for us to not overlook necessarily or forego our own needs, but prioritize the needs of others, right? And, and be more of a giver, right? And in, ter- in turn, you know, and someone may be listening and hearing, well, I have my own problems, right? I have my own needs. Why do I even bother, you know, sewing into or even mm. thinking about someone else? But the opposite is the opposite is true. I mean, I've experienced that. I mean, you, you understand that, that law and that there is something about Sowing and reaping, right? It's it's yeah. not only a, a spiritual law. It's 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 a fundamental law. I mean, even mm-hmm. um, atheists believe in that. I mean, they, yeah. they call it, but they, they they give. I mean, you think about some of the world's richest people. They they, mm-hmm. they give millions, right, of their of their money away to other charities, and 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 that's and no wonder, right? It, it keeps coming back. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that a little bit and how that's. Um, so contrary to you know society's view of you know it's just me let me just let me just focus on me let me it's me 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 right let's 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 talk about that a little bit thoughts yeah yeah so the first thought i have is that and i talk about this a little bit in in the book is that oftentimes we do think well the problem of poverty is someone else's problem you know it's not i'm not connected to it at all and that uh couldn't be farther from the truth there's a lot of evidence um you know statistical evidence but you know what I would say is that when we see hopelessness and we feel like we can't make a difference or, or even when we just focus on our own problems, um, it feeds our own hopelessness because we feel like, well, gosh, I can't make a difference there. I don't have anything to offer. Or we think, you know, we get so myopic and focused on our, our own issues um, that we don't have, have perspective. And so first off, I would say, you know, we have to realize we all are connected, uh, whether we want to be or not, there's, you know, by not addressing the issue of hopelessness, we're feeding our own hopelessness in a sense. Um, And then beyond that, uh, kind of exactly as you're saying, when we decide, okay, I'm going to invest my life in someone else. um, We, there's like this, this relationship that happens where um, we start to see change in them. We start to see hope in them. And then that in turn uh, provides us hope and provides us perspective and allows us to move beyond, um, you know, maybe the blinders that we have on to the problems that we have. It doesn't make those problems go away. I have, I have problems as well. Um, I have a struggle with anxiety and I talk about a little bit in the book at times. And so I have my own problems as well, but when I move beyond just focusing on them to bringing hope to others, um, there is something, you know, I would say, I would argue created, we're we're created for to, you know, that, gives us more hope for ourselves and, and for the world. And so I would just encourage you, if you are saying, I have my own problems and I uh, I don't want to worry about somebody else. Well, the best way to maybe be able to get a different perspective on your own problems is by helping someone else yeah. um, and bringing hope to others. You might find that that is exactly what you need to help you bring hope um, to yourself. Certainly address your own, you know, your own issues as well, but, you know, don't stop there. Yeah. I love that. One of the questions, James, that I I like to ask um, my guests on this podcast is is, is what it finds them. And, you know, having 
you know, talked about your life, your purpose, and hearing that call and figuring out where you're going. And looking back on your own life and, and where that journey started, um, financial planning business, and now taking an entirely different turn uh, to, to where you are now, what would you say defines you? Or there's maybe one defining moment in your life's journey. Um, what, what would that what would that be? To say, yeah, I would say that's a good question because I you know I could probably think of a few, but. Um, I would say just this realization that uh, that no one is really truly hopeless, um, you know that, uh, and that I can play a role in in making a difference in this world. You know, I grew up and uh, I had people invest in me. I had a grandfather who was a Methodist pastor. You know, he wrote me letters, which was really neat. That's part of my story about my my spiritual hope story. Um, but I still struggled a lot with self worth, self worth, and things of that sort. When I realized, though, that, you know, I could make a difference beyond my own life, that um, I had something to offer, it really changed things for me. And I can think of I uh, I can think of this one moment, actually, I was running on a treadmill in a cardio cinema, which, um, you know, was basically like a screen with with treadmills, uh, you know, and I was running along. And for some reason, as I was thinking and this movie was playing um, that had nothing to do with what I was thinking about. I, I had this realization that um, there is hope for people uh, that we often perceive as hopeless and that I have this, this ability to make a difference. And I think in some ways, as weird as that is, that was kind of one of my defining moments um, was saying, you know, I think that might be what started me down that journey of saying, um, you know, I can, I can bring hope to others and, um, you know, discover more hope for myself. And so it's now part of my journey is, reminding people that there there is hope for them um you know there's failure in the journey but that's not the end of the story and um you know that they they can uh they can find hope for themselves and they can reach their their god-given potential and so um that that was a real perspective change for me and has been a, a big defining moment and really defines i think how i live i try to live not always perfectly but try to live yeah today what do you say to that person, James, who is just listening or watching and saying, look, I, I, I don't have anything to offer. My life's a mess. I, 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 my, you know, growing up, I didn't, I didn't have anything. I'm, 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 I'm in poverty myself. There's mm. really no, 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 uh, no bright side to anything. I, I don't have the resources. I don't have anything. It's been all such a mess. I mean, I, what, what do I have to, to give to someone if, if I can't figure it out? Uh, what do you say uh, to that person right now? Yeah, so I think we all we all have different things to give, you know, and we all um, at different moments in our lives have different levels of resources and things of that sort, but we all have something to offer. So I would imagine if you, uh, I like to call mine your story. So you dig down in your story and you say, well, um, what did I learn from this particular situation? You know, maybe you dealt with something really challenging. Um, I have a good friend that's dealing with a pretty serious, uh, almost post-traumatic stress disorder right now. And he kind of feels that way a little bit like, gosh, I, I don't, my life's not together. Um, what do I have to give? Well, you've learned things even through this journey that you could offer someone um, and it, it may not, uh, feel like a lot in that moment, but it might be exactly what, what someone needs. Um, so I would just say, don't give up on yourself. You know, you, 
you have something to offer and uh and that might change over time you know but um but you have you have something to offer i i truly believe that and as we kind of wrap up here, let's uh, let's talk a little bit, James, about your book, Hope Realized, and, and where our listeners and viewers can find that, and then perhaps the work that you do. Um, not someone may not have the resources to fly to Nicaragua or anywhere else, yeah. but they may want to be able to, you know, they may desire to kind of help, you know, support somehow. You talk a little bit about that, and uh, the last few minutes as we kind of wrap up, where they can learn a little bit about your work and, and what you do. Sure. Yeah. So my book is Hope Realized and you can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, really anywhere, uh, you know, you buy books online and um, it really follows my journey and talks a lot about my story and, and how you can learn from that uh, to make bring hope to other people. Um, gives you a new definition or a new perspective on poverty, hope and and what you can do to bring it. Um, and actually, I'll just say this real quick. And when you buy Hope Realized, 50% of the the royalties from that book are going back to NicoWorks. So just by purchasing the book, you're you're actually bringing hope. Uh, it's one step you can take. Uh, and NicoWorks, the organization I work with, just a little bit about them. We continue to do work in Nicaragua in community and economic development. We have a number of vocational training and business development programs going on. We have a, a used bike. Uh, pre-owned bike shop that we've developed uh, we send bikes down people donate bikes and then the bike shop buys them and then we use some of that money to pour back in the community we have some agriculture vocational training going on sewing um, and then we partner with a number of churches uh, you know on the spiritual spiritual hope side of things as well you know, as well as a couple other projects but we keep keep working in Nicaragua we have a, a staff team down there now so when I moved down I was the only I was the only one on on staff now we have a group of Nicaraguans that are that are working and doing a great job and I'm super thankful for them. So James, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing a little bit of hope um, with, with myself, with her, with my audience and with whoever is listening and watching. And uh, hopefully this has left you with a little bit of hope. This is really all about. Um, check out uh, James's book, Hope Realized. Check out the work that he does. Uh, his website uh, and information will be in that show notes as well. Um, and this is really what this podcast is all about, right? It's, it's bringing hope. And I do hope that, uh, no pun intended, that we've left you with a little bit of hope, regardless of what you may be going through. Thank you for spending your time with us. And to you, James, as well, for coming on and uh, inspiring our audience. And until next time, uh, stay well. Thank you. <laughs>